Well, hello and welcome to the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark, and uh, thank you for joining us today. We are going to be listening today to some music uh, of a band leader, not really thought of as a jazz player or even as a, a jazz band leader, but nevertheless, he employed some fine jazz talent and was very influential, and this is Glenn Miller. Of course, we know the uh, recordings of Glenn Miller from the very late 1930s into the 40s and then during the World War II years with the uh, Army Air Force Band, but we're going to be focusing on his first recordings or the recordings of his first band, in fact, the first two bands that he led when he started uh, being a full-time band leader. The first uh, couple of tunes we're going to hear come from a, a band that he had in 1938. This was the first uh, recording session of uh, the group that actually made it. This became the, the famous Glenn Miller Orchestra when they recorded for RCA Victor and the Bluebird label in 1938. This is an initial session about uh, four months before that first uh, Victor session. This was done for Brunswick in May of 1938. We're going to hear two tunes, uh, one of which he recorded later with his uh, more famous band called Sold American. Sold American was a uh, the tobacconist's cry or the cry of the uh, tobacco uh, auctioneer uh, on some programs and so forth. And this was co-composed by Miller and his piano player, Chalmers Chummy McGregor. And uh, we'll hear some band vocals in there. Uh, kind of a boring little riff melody, but for the solos it goes into blues. And we're going to be hearing Glenn Miller himself on trombone. He was not known as a great trombone player, but he uh, is effective on some of these solos that we're going to hear today. We're also going to hear Johnny Austin on trumpet and uh, Tex Beneke on tenor sax. This was Tex Beneke's first session with Miller. He, of course, was a mainstay uh, later on. Following that, we're going to hear the Dippermouth Blues, which was better known as Sugarfoot Stomp at the time, but the original title was Dippermouth Blues, composed by King Oliver and recorded by his Creole Jazz Band in 1923. And this arrangement that Miller uh, did, apparently uh, we think he did all of these arrangements uh, that we're going to be hearing today. Uh, he also had that arrangement in the book of the Dorsey Brothers Orchestra. He had played with the Dorseys in the 1934-35 uh, period and supplied quite a few of the arrangements that they recorded, including this one, which is more on the lines of a transcription than a record, uh, than an uh, actual original arrangement. It comes largely from the original recording. Following that, we're going to jump back to March 22nd of 1937. March 22nd, 1937 was the first recording of the actual Glenn Miller Band, and this was for Decca Records. Uh, he had had another session under his own name uh, in April of 1935, but it was actually the band uh, that he was playing with more or less uh, regularly with the uh, Roy, uh, Ray Noble Band, Ray Noble being the British band leader who came over from England and uh, had uh, quite a long stay in New York. He had uh, fronted a band that was put together by Miller, and that's uh, kind of the band that uh, was on that first session. We're going to be hearing that session on another podcast or radio show where we're going to be talking about some of the arrangements that Miller did on a freelance basis before founding his own band. So the tunes we're going to hear from the March 37 session are Wistful and Blue, Anytime, Any Day, Anywhere, and I'm Sitting on Top of the World. And we'll tell you about the personnel when we get there. So, this is our first uh, set of Glenn Miller, the first two tunes from May 23rd of 1938, Sold American and Dippermouth Blues, followed by March 22nd of 1937, Wistful and Blue, Anytime, Any Day, Anywhere, and I'm Sitting on Top of the World. <laughs> Thank you. 
wistful and blue In spite of all I can do I keep on thinking of you The joy you once meant to me Just a sweet memory I gave you my best But you were just like the rest You left me lonely and blue Heartbroken too Wistful and blue for you
that was Glenn Miller and his orchestra. Two different orchestras, actually. We started out with the first uh, recording session for what came to be the classic Glenn Miller band, done for Brunswick in May of 1938. And we had Johnny Austin, Bob Price, and Gaspar Ribito on trumpet. I believe it was Johnny Austin who took the solos. Brad Jenny, Al Mastron, and Glenn Miller on trombone. Hal McIntyre and Wilbur Schwartz playing clarinet and alto sax. Stanley Aronson on alto and baritone. Tex Beneke and Saul Kane on tenor saxes, Chummy McGregor on piano, Rolly Bundock on bass, Bob Spangler on drums, and uh, in this case, vocals by the orchestra. That session also featured vocals by Gail Reese and Ray Eberly in his uh, recording debut, but we didn't hear those. We heard Sold American, the Glenn Miller and Chummy McGregor tune that was based on the call of the tobacco auctioneer, which you heard on, on the radio and various different radio programs back then. We heard good solos by Miller himself, also Austin on trumpet, and and Tex Beneke on tenor sax. On Dippermouth Blues, we heard uh, the classic King Oliver trombone, uh, trumpet solo being played by Glenn Miller on trombone, which was not uh, an unusual thing. We listen to those Fletcher Henderson recordings from the early 30s, and usually it was one of the trombone players who played the uh, traditional cornet solo in that case. We also heard on clarinet Wil Sh Wilbur Schwartz, who uh, was a key member of the Miller Civilian Band. He played the lead clarinet work uh, in the section, creating that uh, classic Glenn Miller sound, which we're really not going to hear too much on these recordings. We're going to hear some hints of it, but it didn't emerge full force until the uh, Victor recordings about four months after this May date. He was a uh, very effective clarinet soloist. He wasn't given uh, too many opportunities, unfortunately, but uh, we got to hear him on Dippermouth Blues recreating the Johnny Dodd solo. As I said, that Glenn Miller arrangement was more on the lines of a transcription than an original arrangement. Then we jump back to March 22nd of 1937 in Decca Records, and we heard three out of the six tunes recorded on that date. We heard Wistful in Blue, uh, Anytime, Any Day, Anywhere, and I'm Sitting on Top of the World. And in the trumpet section here, we heard Charlie Spivak, Manny Klein, and Sterling Bowes, and that was a fine trumpet section. Miller was using some excellent musicians on his recording dates in 1937, but he didn't have a lot of bookings. He couldn't get a lot of money for his band, so usually uh, the higher-profile players... Uh, left when he went on tour. They were just on for the recording dates, and the band only lasted about eight months or so before Miller had to throw in the towel and almost declare bankruptcy because of it. So on Wistful and Blue, we heard uh, on tenor sax, Carl Bisecker. He played a very straight tenor lead on there. He was also an arranger who was responsible for part of the book of this band. I should mention the saxophone section, in this case, George Saravo on alto sax playing lead. Hal McIntyre played clarinet and alto. He is the clarinet soloist here. Jerry Jerome and Carl Bisecker on tenors. Howard Smith is on piano, Dick McDonough on guitar, Ted uh, Kotsoftis on bass, and George Simon on drums. George T. Simon was a uh, music critic for, I think, Metronome magazine at the time. He was a big band uh, uh, fancier, became a very close friend of Benny Goodman's, wrote several fine books on the subject. He was sitting in on drums. He was not really a professional musician, but I guess the drummer didn't show up, and so George Simon deputized. On the trombone section, we heard Harry Rogers and Jesse Ralph in addition to Glenn Miller. And as I mentioned, Wistful and Blue featured that tenor sax solo. Also, a vocal by uh, Doris Carr, a very kind of fetching vocalist with a deeper voice than most uh, female singers during the big band era. Had a nice sound to it. 
Then we heard Anytime, Any Day, Anywhere. I should mention Wistful and Blue was by Davidson and Ruth Edding. And then uh, Anytime by Wesleyan and Courtlander. It was an old tune even by standards of the day. And it featured the very questionable vocal talents of Sterling Bowes, who was a fine trumpet player, cornet player from New Orleans, who played in a lot of big bands. He was not known as a good section player, so he didn't really stick with many big bands. But he was a perfectly awful vocalist, but yet band leaders focused, uh, uh, or, uh, focused arrangements around his vocal talents uh, quite often. We had a podcast on Sterling Bowes a while back. We'll probably have another one coming up. So that was him, and also uh, playing the trumpet solo, much more effective than his vocals, which was backed up by the Toon Twisters, uh, which was a vocal group that predated the modern airs, which, of course, later uh, was featured on many Glenn Miller recordings. We ended up with I'm Sitting on Top of the World, which was a tune made famous by Al Jolson in the 1920s, so quite a few uh, older tunes on that session. And that featured a, a very fine tenor sax solo by Jerry Jerome, who uh, was playing at different times during the 30s with Benny Goodman and Artie Shaw, among others. And the trumpet solo in that case, I believe, was Manny Klein, who could carry off a pretty good imitation of Bunny Berrigan at times, or Pee Wee Irwin for that matter, and uh, that's definitely who it sounded like. So Glenn Miller, as I said, was born in 1904 in Clarinda, Iowa. He uh, had been playing since the early 1920s uh, as a professional. He played in many Midwest Territory bands. He actually played in the band led by the novelty clarinet player Boyd Center in the early 20s. Uh, Center actually recalled Glenn Miller in later interviews and uh, how impressed he was even with his arranging at that point. Uh, Miller ended up on the West Coast playing with Ben Pollock and his Californians, which was a group mostly made up of Chicago natives, uh, and made... Uh, I believe his first recordings with them. He was also a uh, pretty well-featured arranger with the Pollock Band for a couple of years, about 1927 to 1929, uh, in a band that also featured Benny Goodman, uh, Jimmy McPartland, Bud Freeman a little bit later, Fudd Livingston, Jack Teagarden. Miller was not featured as a soloist a whole lot, but uh, his arrangements were a big part of the success of that band. Those uh, musicians, after they left Pollock, also played in Broadway pits. They played for a couple of different Gershwin shows, Girl Crazy and... Uh, uh, strike up the band, I believe, and Miller did some arranging, I believe, for Gershwin during those shows. He later went with the Dorsey Brothers Orchestra about 1933, 34, 35, and was responsible for quite a lot of the charts that that band recorded, the jazzier charts especially, and we'll be hearing those again on a later podcast. He also did some offhand arranging and uh, uh, occasional work for bands like the Casaloma Band, Victor Lopez, Ozzie Nelson, and some others as well. Before, he was hired by Ray Noble, as I mentioned. When Noble was coming over from England, he had a long stretch of great recordings that we've uh, examined in a podcast or two, and he was hired to come over and uh, lead a band at the Rainbow Room in New York in 1935, and he uh, hired Glenn Miller to put the group together, and it was an excellent band that featured, among others, Pee Wee Irwin and Charlie Spivak, Johnny Mintz, uh, Bud Freeman, Claude Thornhill, lots of others as well. And as I said, Miller's first recording date under his own name uh, featured most of those performers. And we'll be featuring that on that other podcast. So by 1937, Miller had put together this band, which had some promise and had some good arrangements and great soloists on recordings anyway, but uh, as I said, it kind of died by the end of 1937. The recordings that they made were not released until after the band had broken up, and then Miller uh, started putting together his next band in the spring of 1938, and we heard the first recordings of that in that last set. 
So we're going to be focusing on this 1937 band coming up. There were three more dates, uh, all for Brunswick Records, done in June, November, and December of 1937, and they featured quite a fine uh, array of talent. We're going to start out with Miller's arrangement of the Gershwin tune, I Got Rhythm. This was arguably his best jazz arrangement from this period and featured uh, quite a few fine soloists. It's basically the same band, uh, well, half the same band, I suppose, as the one we just heard doing the Decca session. The saxophone section is the same. The trumpet section's a bit different, with Tweet Peterson, uh, Ralph Capelli, and Charlie Spivak on trumpets, um, Miller, Bud Smith, and uh, Jesse Ralph on trombones. And then in the rhythm section, we have Chummy McGregor had joined on piano, Bill Pizer on guitar, Raleigh Bunduck on bass, and Earl Kenyon on drums. Stronger rhythm section at any rate. And uh, we will hear, as I said, I Got Rhythm, which features quite a few solos. McIntyre on clarinet, uh, I believe Jerry Jerome on tenor sax. Uh, I'm not sure who the trumpet soloist is. It might very well be Charlie Spivak. He was not known as a, as a hot jazz soloist, but it could be him. Uh, and a little bit of Glenn Miller in there as well. And then we're going to jump over to the November 1937, November 29th session, which features an almost entirely different band, playing My Fine Feathered Friend and Humoresque, the Dvorak tune that was a takeoff for many big bands at the time. And this band features Pee Wee Irwin uh, playing the trumpet solos, along with Bob Price and Ardell Garrett on trumpet, Jesse Ralph and Bud Smith again with Glenn Miller on trombone. Going to hear the great New Orleans clarinet player Irving Fazola. Uh, he was a member of all kinds of bands. He was not known as a section player. He wasn't a good reader, so he didn't last with too many groups. He also wasn't much of a saxophone player, even though he did double alto saxophone. And this might be part of the way that the Glenn Miller sound with that clarinet lead over the saxophone section developed. There was a romantic notion about how uh, Miller was writing for the saxophone section with a trumpet lead, and then uh, the trumpet player either split his lip or didn't show up or whatever, so he had to reassign it to the clarinet. And that's a nice fanciful story, but uh, who knows. With Fazola, we have Hal McIntyre and Tony Viola on alto sax, Jerry Jerome and Kyle Bysacker on tenor saxes again, uh, McGregor on piano, Carmen Mastron on guitar, Roy Bundock on bass, and Doc Carney on drums. So a much uh, more evolved personnel getting towards the classic Miller lineup. We're going to hear Kathleen Lane take the vocal on My Fine Feathered Friend, which is an arrangement by Carl Bysacker, and I believe it's he on the solo as well. Then Humoresque, which I think is a Glenn Miller arrangement, is uh, going to feature uh, Pee Wee Irwin on trumpet. So following that, we will jump over to December 13th of 1937, more or less the same band, and we're going to hear Sweet Stranger, another Catherine Lane vocal, and another really nice Irving Fazola contribution, along with that beginning of the Glenn Miller sound. So those are our tunes. I actually forgot to mention one. We're going to hear I Got Rhythm from June 9th of 1937, followed by a Glenn Miller original called Community Swing, and uh, that's going to feature some jazz sounds as well. And uh, we will hear um, Hal McIntyre on clarinet, and probably Max, Kim uh, rather, uh, Max Kaminsky, Manny Klein again on trumpet on Community Swing. Following that, over to the other sessions, My Fine Feathered Friend and Humoresque from November, and Sweet Stranger from December, all in 1937.
Genesis of the Glenn Miller Orchestra, done several sessions over the course of 1937 for Brunswick Records. We started out with an out-and-out jazz tune, I Got Rhythm, arranged by Glenn Miller and featuring uh, Hal McIntyre on clarinet, Jerry Jerome on tenor, probably uh, Manny Klein on trumpet, uh, although I'm not sure about that. It doesn't list him in the personnel. He might have been brought in for the solos. It really doesn't sound like Charlie Spivak, and I'm not sure about the other two uh, who were in the section, but uh, very effective performance nonetheless. Then we heard Community Swing, a Glenn Miller tune and arrangement featuring, again, the trumpet, probably Manny Klein and Hal McIntyre on clarinet. And an excellent rhythm section. We even heard some drum breaks by Earl, uh, or Eek Kenyon. I said Earl Kenyon, his real name, I believe, was Eek, E-A-K. Uh, and we heard him on I Got Rhythm, along with the uh, rhythm section made up of Chummy McGregor on piano, Rolly Bundock on bass, and Bill Pizer on guitar. Then we went over to a little bit more of a commercial session, but featuring the beautiful clarinet playing of Irving Fazola. Uh, as I said, he had uh, a huge tone. He did not play a great deal of saxophone. He wasn't a great reader, but he was invaluable in some of these little solos here and there. We've heard him over the course of uh, our podcast history on quite a few, uh, and uh, with quite a few bands, most notably, of course, with Bob Crosby, but he was with uh, or recorded with many, many other bands as well. And uh, we can hear him sort of leading the section uh, in, a, in a kind of a, a look ahead to the classic Glenn Miller reed section sound with that clarinet lead that was done by Wilbur Schwartz, who we heard a little bit earlier. So we started out with My Fine Feathered Friend, featuring a vocal by Kathleen Lane. That was an Adamson and, and uh, McHugh tune, uh, and also featured tenor sax. It was a uh, Carl Bicecker arrangement, and I'd said it was probably he on tenor sax. I think it was, in fact, Jerry Jerome, who was... Uh, one of the best and least known tenor sax soloists from this period. He was very young at the time. Then a Pee Wee Irwin trumpet solo on Humoresque came up after that. Of course, Humoresque was the Dvorak piano piece, and uh, it was taken over as a, as a sort of a pop tune by a lot of groups at this time and others as well. Then on to Sweet Stranger, another Kathleen Lane uh, vocal with uh, some commentary by Irving Fazola. That was by uh, Weber, Agar, and Livingston. An interesting tune and a nice little arrangement, again showing where Glenn Miller was heading with his uh, concept of arranging. 
So we're going to finish up with our Glenn Miller tribute here, our early Glenn Miller tribute, with three sides that were released on the great mosaic uh, collection that came out a few years ago of the Bill Savory sides. Bill Savory was an engineer whose hobby was uh, recording music off the radio, and he had a very good setup, and he recorded some marvelous things. Uh, I think it was six CDs that came out, and hopefully more to follow. But there were three Glenn Miller recordings that were included on that. One was actually done right around the time that we're finishing up with this collection. It was from Reed's Casino in Asbury Park, uh, New York, and uh, it features this early band uh, that uh, will be playing a tune called By the Waters of the Minnetonka, which Miller recorded on his first session uh, for Bluebird in September of 1938. This recording was done in July of 1938, featuring roughly the same band that we heard before. Bob Price, Johnny Austin, Louis Mucci on trumpet. I think it was Johnny Austin taking trumpets. Glenn Miller, Brad Jenny, and Al Master on trombones, Hal McIntyre, Wilbur Schwartz, and Bill Stegmeyer on altos. I believe Stegmeyer played baritone as well. Tex Beneke and Stanley Aronson on tenor, Chummy McGregor on bass, Raleigh Bundick on bass, uh, excuse me, Chummy McGregor on piano, Raleigh Bondock on bass, and Bob Spangler on the drums. And this uh, Miller arrangement of By the Waters of the Minnetonka will feature a kind of a, a, an oddity, a clarinet solo, not by any of the good clarinet players in the band, Hal McIntyre, Wilbur Schwartz, and Bill Stegmeyer, all of whom were known as, as very good clarinet players, but instead by Tex Beneke, who was not a good clarinet player at all, in fact. Uh, some would have you believe he wasn't much of a tenor player either, but he wasn't bad. He was featured extensively on the later Miller recording. He never uh, knocked your socks off with um, jazz improv chops, but he was a good, solid player. On clarinet, though, I, Miller must have been looking for some kind of... Uh, uh primitive sound, I guess, and that's what he got with Tex Beneke. It's also a very good Glenn Miller solo as well. Then we're going to do two songs that came from February 3rd of 1940, Martin Block's fifth anniversary show, broadcast from the Ambassador Hotel in New York City. And this is the classic Miller band, with Clyde Hurley, uh, Lee Knowles, Mickey McMickle, and John Best on trumpets, Miller, Tommy Mack, Paul Tanner, and Frank D'Anolfo on trombone, Wilbur Schwartz, Hal McIntyre uh, on altos, Jimmy Abato on alto and baritone sax, Tex Beneke and Al Klink again on tenors. Uh, I shouldn't say again. Al Klink is joining, and he will be featured with Tex Beneke on one number. McGregor on piano, Dick Fisher on guitar, Raleigh Bundick on bass, and Mo Pertel on drums. And we're going to hear Tuxedo Junction. Uh, right around the same time they recorded this for Victor. This is a little bit slower, and it features a mistake. A trumpet player forgot to come in, so Miller uh, filled in with, actually, probably one of his best trombone solos on record. He sounds almost like Jack Teagarden on this. Following that, we're going to hear the classic In the Mood, which had gone through a lot of uh, iterations from its early days with the Edgar Hayes Band. We played that original recording uh, done by Joe, uh, arranged by Joe Garland on a previous podcast, and uh, then it went to Artie Shaw and eventually came to Glenn Miller. And we're going to hear the classic arrangement, but with very different solos. Uh, Beneke and Clink uh, are here playing uh, their usual tenor battle, but totally different notes. So this kind of gives lie to the uh, the old. Uh, uh, idea that Miller insisted on his uh, soloist playing the recording solos to, to demonstrate the familiarity of the people with these classic recordings. But here we have some pretty good jazz. So these are our first, uh, or our last three tunes by Glenn Miller and his orchestra by the waters of the Minnetonka, Tuxedo Junction, and In the Mood.
So there we have Glenn Miller and his orchestra, those three live recordings, one from the summer, early summer of 1938, and then the other two from uh, winter of 1940, all featuring those great Glenn Miller arrangements. We heard By the Waters of Minnetonka, featuring Tex Beneke on clarinet with Glenn Miller on... Um, uh, trombone, then Tuxedo Junction, probably um, Clyde Hurley on, on trumpet, uh, as well as Glenn Miller on trombone doing that uh, sudden uh, solo in there. Actually, I think it was John Best on trumpet, on the muted trumpet there. And then we went to uh, the In the Mood recording that's so well known, and we heard Tex Beneke and Al Klink doing a completely different uh, trade there, along with Clyde Hurley on trumpet earlier. So that's our Glenn Miller program. Hope you've enjoyed it. This is the Jazz Focus. My name is John Clark. Hope you tune in to these jazz podcasts from time to time. Uh, we'd love to get some more sponsors. If you are so inclined, you can do it on a one-time basis or monthly if you like. Our home is on Anchor.fm, but we can be heard on Spotify and Apple Music and many other fun platforms as well. So thank you very much, and I'll see you on the other side.